Back for episode two. I'm your host, Rodney Fresh. Um, my sister-in-law, Shonda, took the week off. She's still in Puerto Rico enjoying herself. So today I have with me a very special guest, somebody that when they say blood doesn't make you family, it's true. A former student that's become like a daughter to me, means the world to me. And in the words of Jay-Z, even if I die, she's in my will somewhere. My wonderful student, Kiera. Coleman. Okay, so what am I supposed to say after that? Because <laughs> I'm trying not to cry. That was so cute. Um, I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm glad you asked me to come and talk about this specific topic. So um, I'm glad to be here. So um, I know originally I said on the last podcast, the next one would be about wokeness and um, cancel culture. But in light of the, the Derek Chauvin uh, verdict coming down on, on Tuesday, I, I thought it would be good just to hear where do we go from here. Um, so, so what do you think? Derek Chauvin got convicted on all three counts. Um, how did you feel about it? And what do you think is the, the next steps? My feeling toward... My feelings towards it will be a lot different from everybody else's, and I think it will be actually considered radical um, because I didn't think that we should celebrate. Um, that should have been a given. Unfortunately, it's not, but we all watched it happen. Um, it should have been a given that he was found guilty, and considering that most police officers who do this are not even charged, um, we still have work to do. So um, I, I guess, like, good for him <laughs> or, I, you know, like, but uh, George Floyd is still gone. Um, and literally a few hours later, a 15-year-old black girl was killed by the police. Yeah, so, so what, you know what I'm saying? It, what did it do? So I, so I, because I'm old enough to remember the the O.J. Simpson verdict, and I remember uh, when he was found not guilty, people were out in the street celebrating, and for for me, I guess for me, I was I cause maybe I was ten at the time, but I was like, he got off, so what? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> he rich too, so right. what, what did we really expect? With the Chavez verdict, I'm like. That may be a good first step, but I mean, it's a first step to what though? I I don't know, like <laughs> because because even still, it, I I just think that he is the one person um, that society felt like they had to give up to appease us. Um, because here we are looking at um, the woman who killed Dante Wright not hearing any movement on there. Um, we're not hearing any movement on the police officer who um, killed Micaiah. Is that her name, Micaiah? Micaiah. 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 I, I looked it up twice and got two different Yeah, I want to make sure I, I get it right. But um, still, like, it, it's taken entirely too long for them to charge these off arrest and charge these officers with murder like it is. You know what I'm saying? And, and, it, I, and I guess for me, part of... Cause I, I feel like I'm in the same boat as you. Like we celebrated, Al Sharpton came out. Jesse, it was like the old guard plus Ben Crump came out f for this celebration. But like you said, like I think they just threw him to the wolf. Like we gave y'all one. Now, mm -hmm. now sit down and shut up. Mm -hmm. um, and I forgot who said it first, but the, you know, because people were calling this justice, and they were like, no, justice would be George Floyd still being alive. Justice would be Sandra Bland still still alive, um, and I mean we 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 talking about George Floyd, but Breonna Taylor. Last time I checked, um, 
nothing on that front. We we still need to say her name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I mean, there's three other officers that that'll be in trial in, in in August, and I'm eager to see what what happens with the the other three officers involved involved in the George Floyd Act. I also feel like the trial, in in some aspects, like. This should have been an open, open and shut case, but I feel like the, the defense in particular was trying to prosecute George Floyd, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you pro- – like – I just feel like it was made a, made a spectacle. This man's death that we all had to or didn't, didn't have to, but that we all witnessed um, on video for close to 10 minutes, the entire world witnessed it, has been in – even in I feel the same way about Breonna Taylor's death has been made a spectacle. Um, I feel like the, like, let's just cause a big hoorah about it. So that way, when we do give them what what they want, it's it's like, see, we did something for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm over, like the George Floyd Act. Why are you naming the act after this man? an act that gives millions to police departments. It's a slap in the face. Um, The say her name and having this young lady's face plastered on billboards and on T-shirts and all over the place. You know, I just won't, I don't know. I I get, because for me, like, I remember when George Floyd first happened, people like, you got to see this video. And I'm like, why? Because yeah, I don't like, watch those I, videos. I, I know how it ends. Mm-hmm. Like no matter I don't how watch any of them, how it starts, it always ends the same way. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like I didn't, I didn't watch the 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 George Floyd video in its entirety. I I didn't want to watch the Dante Wright video because. I don't care if she is screaming taser or what have you, and that's probably gonna be their excuse on why she gets off. You've been on a police force for 26 years, and you don't know the difference between a, a, a bright yellow taser and a nine millimeter Glock, and, and how much they weigh. Why are we not holding police officers to a higher standard? Taxpayers, we we literally pay them to protect and serve or so have you, and they um, have a belt filled with weapons that no normal person can walk around with. Um, We pay you to do a job. Why is it that when they make these careless mistakes that result in deaths, um, that it's like, well... You know, um, they it was in the heat of the moment. Their adrenaline was rushing, blah, blah, blah. Had it, be, had it been you and I in a situation like that and adrenaline rushing, that is not an excuse for me to kill you and vice versa. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so why, is, why do we not say, you know what? I don't care. If anything, you should be the person who know what you're doing and not making those kind of mistakes. If anybody else, it should be you. And I and I so I forgot who said it, but they were like police officers need, need like doctors have malpractice insurance. Like if you at the doctor and something happens and the doctor is liable, you can you can sue that doctor. And no. why can't we we hold the the police officers to the same accountability that we hold the doctor to, or, or just any other job? Police officers need to start looking at themselves as customer service agents because that's essentially what you are. Um, you you serve the community. You are a customer service associate. Um, so when a customer is upset, you need to be doing what you need to do to fix it, not putting hands on them. You don't get to when somebody making you upset. If if I'm working at Lowe's and I'm at the customer service desk and the customer is making me upset, I can't just go punch him in the face. Why is it that police officers are okay to do that? And I I know that they do these things because I dated a police officer for close to three years and he would legit say things like, I couldn't wait till this person caught an attitude or said something slick so I could lay hands on them. And it's like, that's just normal. That's fine. It's okay for them to do that. Yeah, and, and I said this on the last podcast. Like, my dad's a, a retired D- Detroit police officer. And I remember 
I don't remember how old I was, but I do remember him. He would literally tell me, like, stay away from that police officer or, you know. And part of, part of the reason why he retired was because he didn't agree with the policy issues, things that he saw going on in the department. So, and I know they got, like, whistleblowers, protection or whatever, but even... If you even if you're a good cop and you you say something like internal affairs to, and why did the police get to investigate the police? That makes absolutely no sense. Um, I just don't think that it's possible for you to. I think that there are good people, and there are good people who become cops. But are there good cops? Eh, because I'm sorry. Because how can you be a good cop in a in a system that um that was literally built the foundation is to to oppress um every like the foundation of everything in policing is oppression and racism um so any policies anything that comes from that system is going to be oppressive or racist um i just don't like i have so many family members who are police officers and they are caring kind like compassionate like affectionate people um but I know from hearing stories and you know just based on my reading and things that if the the laws are racist and your job is to uphold those laws that's your job yeah and and like dad been a cop grandfather been a cop grandma been a cop and I've still been harassed by the cops, even mm-hmm. teaching at Osborne. Like me and a cop had a, a run in to, to the point where he literally was like cussing at me, like, you know, I gave you an MF order, you ain't fought. Like, Am I in the military? <laughs> did, I, I, <laughs> did I forget? And, and so, yeah, I, I, like, I ended up calling, you know, calling, talking to my dad and the command officer, but I asked the officer, like, what if I was just some average, like, if you talk to this, to me like this, I can only imagine what you doing on a on a regular basis just being on the street. Right. And there were times with like my ex boyfriend where we had been pulled over and like the cop's demeanor terrified me. But then as soon as he showed his D P D badge, that his demeanor softened. Why is that the case? And shoot, and I had the opposite reaction, like I remember as a kid, my dad pulled over, it was either Southfield or Birmingham police, and the officer, like, my dad was like, we want speed, like, why did you pull us over? Like, the car that was speeding is down there or whatever. And I remember the officer and my dad going back and forth, and the officer saying, I wish I could give your ass a ticket. Mm-hmm. And um, you need to show your son how to respect the police. And my dad was like, no, I'm trying to show my son how to stand up for himself. You know, it's... Um I don't want to go too far off topic, but something that you said, uh, I know we're, we're talking about, like, um, defunding the police right now and, um, you know, where do we go next? But something that I was reading today that I think that hits close to home for us, because it is close to home, um, is the, what's going on with the Shelby Township Police Department right now. Um, and... The Shelby Township Police Department, their, um, some of their officers were photographed with, um, I can't remember the that guy's name, I think is Dave Grossman or something like that. Um, he is a trainer who goes around and teaches to um, police departments and he teaches them, um, I think it's called Kellology. So basically like how... Um, oh, when you the first time that you kill someone as a police officer, you're going to ha- that night you're going to have the best sex ever. And just basically teaching them the ideology that is OK to kill and that you're this powerful person. They call themselves sheepdogs. Um, so there are poli- the, the Shelby Township Police Department has cops photographed with this, this trainer and refuse to answer questions on if that trainer is training Shelby Township PD. Um 
for me, I actually used to live right across the street from Shelby Township. I lived in Clinton Township. So that is very, very scary. Yeah, I remember I went to a wedding a couple of years ago and it was in Shelby Township. Mm-hmm. And I told I told the people, like, I got to go to, like, before it get dark. And they was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this is sundown town. Yeah. Like, they have no clue mm-hmm. what I was talking about. But I'm like, I need to be out of here before the sun get down. Because... Mm-hmm. Yep. And that right there just it reiterates my point. Like, how how do you still have police officers or how how do we move forward? How do we stop this from happening but still have police? It does not I, I'm not seeing where, where the correlation is. I'm not seeing um how how and how any of this can be reformed. They're literally being trained by people who are telling them, kill, that is your job. It is okay. And then they know they're not gonna get in trouble for it. Yeah, they 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 automatically get immune to. Yes, it's like they the law does not apply. But hold on, y'all. Let's 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 not say that because I do want our black officers to keep in mind that that skin come before that uniform. So if you are ever in a position the same position as a white officer, the ones that we see in the media right now, please do not expect to get that same treatment. Um. Actually, um, I'm not sure of what the figures are, so I don't want to give any numbers, but I know that the statistic is alarming. I wish I could remember what it was, but of the, um, and I think it was just for one specific department, but like of all of the, um, all of the police deaths that had resulted in like a conviction, um, it was mostly uh, uh, officers of color. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it can't be reformed. It can't. So, so be, before we get into defunding the police and what comes with defunding the police, that's always the question you get when you say defund the police. And I know a lot of people are like, well, if we don't have the police, then what? Um, we we touched on. We had Dante Wright and. Michaela Bryant, and in both cases, the the body cam footage came out almost immediately. Um, j- just want to get your your thoughts on on those two in particular, because I I'm gonna be honest, I'm surprised that they charged the the the, the officer and Dante Wright with at least third degree, mm-hmm. even though they spent like nine thousand just to protect their house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, Michaela Bryant, like, I see people all over across the board. Well, she had a knife. And I'm like, well, Kyle Rittenhauser had a, a uh, I don't even know what type of gun it was, some type of semi-automatic rifle brought in a harm. Not only that, you as a, um, a educa- an educator who worked in DPD, um, you worked at Osborne, I mean, not DPD, Detroit Public Schools, I'm sorry. And you worked at Osborne. How many times have you tried to break up, break up a fight that was potentially dangerous? And how many times did you pull out your gun? Every, I'm going to be honest, just about every fight I broke up at Osborne had the potential to be dangerous. Ain't had no gun, but... But it got done. Yeah. Nobody died, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody okay. died. All right. No, nobody. All right, nah. Nobody was even physically Just hurt. Sure I ain't crazy. Even when I was at U Prep, you know, I broke up some fights at U Prep that had potential to be dangerous. Uh, and and it's funny because like I saw somebody post that like teachers break up dangerous fights all the time, and nobody's ever hurt. Nobody's ever killed. I mean, I didn't been in a room with two opposing gang members that I knew was about to fight. Both of them went home alive. And so I know, like, the excuse is, well, he had to make a split-second decision. And that was the one. Like, this person that we pay to have all of these weapons at his disposal, and he is trained... um, "Quote unquote trained like like uh, real efficiently on each weapon like in depth. The first one he had to go to was the gun. Did he really? 
is that the decision you had to make? I mean, so looking at the video, I'm like, he had options. He, hell, he could have damn near just tackled her. And the knife would have came out. I, I know that from experience from breaking up a fight. She was 15. Like, let's, let's not act like um, fat phobia don't play a part here. Because the fact that she was as big as she was also plays a part in how people see her. And then they 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 played that card at the the in the George Floyd, you know, mm-hmm. when they was talk, when Chav, his defense attorney got up there and said, "Well, George Floyd, you know, he was he was big." He, it's this idea that you just big and gigantic and superhuman with super strength. Um, so. Do you think it would have been a different outcome? One, I give you two opinions that I have. One, if it was a white male, and then two, if it was a white female, I think the outcome would have been different. And I think it's sad that I feel like in Breonna Taylor case, Sandra Bland case. They still say their name, but it's not with the same force as it was with a, a George Floyd mm-hmm. or Eric Garner or, or, or Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think it's show still that even in black America, there there's an issue when it comes to, to women and, and still standing up for, for black, black women in particular. Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. Um, I think that that was probably the most alarming for me to see so many people, so many black people um, on the Internet, the same people that I see being very vocal about George Floyd, Dante Wright, Michael Brown, um, Trayvon Martin. Like I I see them being vocal, defund the police, uh, F the police, all this other stuff. But then you were quick to say, but she had a knife to this black woman or black girl. I'm sorry. I don't want to womanize her, but a, a, a black girl. Um, it's alarming. And it's it's not a coincidence. And and by the way, I heard whoever she had a knife on was 28. Yeah. And we don't hear about that. But that's another thing. Like, nobody ever cares about the why or the reason behind things are happening, why things are happening. That's how we stop all of this. That's how we, that's really how we move forward by looking at why and attacking it from the root. Why was she even there with the knife? Now let's go all the way to the bottom, like we in kindergarten and just break it down piece by piece and start there. And if we attack it from there, we could, we could have prevented that from happening in the first place. I'm, and I guess that 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 leads perfectly into the conversation, okay? Because I I think when people hear they hear defund the police, they mean like no public safety, mm-hmm. uh, which is not the case. Because um, I want to say it's Camden, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have started defunding the police, and they do community policing, mm-hmm. and it's actually lowered crime dramatically so when you when you say defund the police what exactly do you want to see happen i want to see all of the millions that we put into police training and uh, military weapons for police departments and hiring police officers and police salary i want to see those the same millions being taken from them and put into um, things that actually help the community um instead of because one thing that really, really frustrates me right now with the police is how um, we treat police officers like mental health professionals and we give them a call when someone is in a mental health crisis. But there are very few mental health facilities and mental health professionals that you can actually call because there's no money there. So take that money from the police department because you aren't giving them anything to work with anyway and they shouldn't be the ones to respond and put that money into mental health for the community and mental health initiatives and resources. Um, put that money into recreational centers for um, for the neighborhoods to give kids, you know, after-school activities and things to do. Um, you put that money into providing food and housing for people. Uh, put that money into the community so there can be more jobs for people. Um, just 
investing that those that same money that you put into the police, investing that money into um, the actual community. It's like attacking those problems from the root. Why? Why does she have a knife? Um, or why did somebody steal this? Oh, because they don't have any money. Well, why don't they have have no money? Put money, more money into um, into DPS and our education system. Um, take take those millions and billions away from those police departments. And I, and I think. It starts early, early on, and I was just looking at something. The United States spends more money on on the police than all major industrialized country combined spend, spend on military. the The city of New York, for example, spends six billion dollars just on their police department, and like. And I know it was a proposal at some point in New York to, to cut the police budget by a billion dollars. Just to think about the initiative that you could do with a billion dollars. And I mean, they're only asking, budget six billion, they only asking to cut one billion. I don't think people realize how much billion is. Like a billion, that's a lot of money. So when you're talking about six of them and we just asking for one of them, you're not going to miss that. Mm-hmm. So, what do you what do you say to the people that are like? Well, if we if we defund the police, that means police officers losing their job. And what about public safety? Um. So first, with police officers losing their jobs, um, there are other jobs. And if we're putting more money into the community and taking that money and investing it somewhere, doesn't that create more jobs? So they can't go and do some good. That's there's that. And then as far as public safety, I challenge those people to think about what happens when they actually call the police. So, you know, for any situation, just think about any situation that you've been in or um, someone else has been in or even thinking about the worst case scenario, something that will happen to you or that you think could happen to you and think about what the police actually do when they come. Is that not something that somebody from the community could do with a piece of paper and a pen? I, I agree, and, and and just sitting here thinking about it, working in DPS, I'm trying to. Th- I'm thinking about the psychological impact that, because we police children, mm-hmm. one of the largest ex- expenses DPS has is on security, and then DPS has their own police department. But just thinking about what we do to psychologically to to children every single day that have to go through this metal detector, have to see this this officer walk around with a gun. Or, or being told that you can't, you're not worthy enough to go to class because of your uniform. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you think that does to, to kids' minds? That you send them home from school because you because they didn't have a collar on their shirt. Which, which every school I've been at, I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I'm I'm at CMA now, where where my principal is like, we don't need a uniform, just a, a dress code. As long as your shirt is one of these four colors, if it's collared t-shirt, school paraphernalia, you're fine. Um, but I I think about what are we doing doing to to kids early on in the role that I play later on when it comes to policing and, and this whole kids having, like, value. Yeah, it. Um, I think that that would open a conversation for a whole other topic that would take forever, but the school-to-prison pipeline and how, um, you know, essentially introducing children to that introduces them to the mass incarceration system in this country um it's just the beginning for them um i I, that's not really my area of expertise so i don't want to talk too much about it but yeah it's a thing and i and i guess that kind of like the whole defining of police when you have prisons that are privately owned for-profit prisons i think they get scared too because not only if we're talking about defunding the police, we need to decriminalize some things that shouldn't be criminalized. Like if marijuana is legal in the majority of states now, why do we still have 
people, people serving life sentences for a gram. <laughs> you know, like nobody should be in prison right now on the marijuana offense in Michigan. Well, in any state where it's legalized. Period. Honestly, but like if we breaking it down like to the root right now in Michigan, they should be gone. But you still have people in prison. And I was watching, I want to say it was United States of America. He went to Quincenton in California. He was talking to the prisoners, and the prisoner was like, he got 8 to 47 years, and he didn't do like 30, and he's still in prison. And Kamal Bill, the host, was like, well, why do you think he's still in prison? He was like, honestly, I'm a check for somebody. Like, somebody's getting paid for me being here. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it's sad that like we spend more on policing, more on prisons, more on jails, more on surveillance system. Because let's be real, like facial recognition—that's an invasion of, of, of privacy. Another way to lock more brown and black people up than we do on educating children, like putting money on, on things that, it, to me, would actually make a difference. I agree politically do you think Biden Harris have have done enough to to push the defund the police agenda and done enough when it comes to to black families I was going to say black and brown families but really uh, black families because when you say brown then you can start lumping just about anybody mm-hmm. yeah. in that category. No. No, I don't. But I don't expect them to. Uh, me personally, I just don't feel like um, you can expect to make make much progressive change, especially something on, like, like police and the military. Those are American values, baby. So when it comes to that stuff, you can't be progressive about those things on a federal level and expect to get things done. I just don't think that's possible. Not right now in our, um, in our country with our government that we have right now. Um, so I, I just don't expect that from them. I don't think that they would be able to. Um, and I don't think they truly want to. Biden is not progressive. <laughs> yeah. So. So. Because, you know, I'm I feel like you should always be critical of the the president, no matter what party they belong to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I'm being honest with myself, like I'm a true believer in, in what Angela Davis said years ago that black people need their own political party. I agree. I agree with everything Angela Davis says, by the way. <laughs> if you all need to know anything else about me, just know Angela Davis and Beyonce, they're my girls. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can continue. Yeah, super, <laughs> super beehive fan. Okay. Uh, but how, how do we how do we get get the 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 change? that we're seeking because like i'm gonna be honest like with george floyd like people were up here celebrating i'm like let's not forget when it first happened the statement to many minnesota minneapolis police put out right i think it takes education um i think the more people know the the better that they'll do um and a lot of times we can't fault people for um for the things that they don't know 100%. So um, we know that, we all know from experience that the people in this country will do anything in their power to be sure that we don't learn the truth about what really happens in history. We, I mean, you just mentioned a perfect example of the statement that the uh, Minneapolis PD put out when the incident first happened. That's in writing. You know, that is something that could be taught later on. They do these things to cover their behinds and to make sure real stories don't get out, right? Um, So oftentimes, like, people just don't know. I wasn't always this way. I didn't always know these things. Yeah, I I feel you because, like... Like, I was thinking about this earlier. Like, 
when you had me as a teacher, like I'm a totally different teacher now. I'm more pro black. Like I'm more in your face with it. And I'm like, I wish I like early in my career, like I didn't play, you know, so so nice with things. Mm-hmm. And I think about moments like I miss. Like I wish, you know, going back, I could get a redo. And that kind of leads me back to when we talking about defunding police. This is the perfect opportunity in my eye to refocus and re- revamp the curriculum that we're giving to black students. Why am I still in 2021 teaching U.S. history to black students when I feel like they need black history, African-American history, Africana studies, whatever you, you, you want to call it. I, I think we we do a disservice to we we Europeanize black students and then want them to go be this change. Mm-hmm. They don't know because had it not been for me getting a undergrad undergrad degree in African American studies, I would not be this way. I did not know like I wasn't always super pro black and not because I hated black people, but because I just that's not what I was being taught. I had AP U.S. history. And you know I wasn't being taught nothing about no black people. Um, so I just think that it will take... That's what I mean by resources and putting more money back into the community because we could have, like, community events where, like, all the kids in the community come out and do, like, fun, like, black history type you know, learning activities or something like that. We could have we could have these elective or not even an elective, it be an actual class, um, part of like, you know, high school requirements. I think that that's a necessity not just in black schools, but really everywhere. I think we do a disservice to everybody not teaching them about the plight of black people because I, I so I have one um one white friend <laughs> and um She's, like, really progressive or whatever, and we're able to have these kind of conversations. But, like, many um, many millennial white liberals um, or progressives, their families are not the case. Or they're not the same. So she will talk to me about her struggles with, like, her grandmother, like, you know, um, saying things like, well, you know, black people had no problem with being slaves. Mm-hmm. And she had to be the one to give her grandmother a history lesson. So does it, I mean, obviously, I feel like it's common sense that black people did not enjoy being slaves, but she was taught that somewhere. I mean, Kanye West, you know, kind of said the same thing. He he got mental issues, so we're we not going to talk about the mentally ill, but uh, I, she might too. I, you know what? You yeah, never know. I, I get what you're saying, and for... Me, like, I, I had an old co-worker. Um, I don't know if you remember Mr. Vaughn. Vaguely. But he he yeah, ended vaguely. up going to teach at Plymouth Cannon. He teaches African-American history out there. Mm-hmm. So, like, me me and him, we used to dialogue, you know, back and forth together. So I, I do think it's important that even in our predominantly white school district that there, there are offerings. Um I, my my concern, especially in a black community, is like I feel like right now this is the trendy thing to do to be so called woke. I and, agree. And like the defund the post, because I see people all 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 the time online like posting stuff, and then but you still have anti anti black views sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, or you posting on stuff, but what what are you really doing? I think so. Um, I agree, but in a way, like okay, let me backtrack. So I think that social media causes people to feel like um, they have like they have to be hyper visible. 
and they have to comment on every single last thing, not understanding that it's okay if something isn't your ministry. It's okay if it's, you know, this thing isn't something that you are an expert on. Um, you, you don't know all the answers on this topic, and that's fine. However, I think that the culture that we've created with social media is that people are afraid to be wrong and are afraid to, to feel uninformed. And on top of that, there is a trend with not only just individuals, but even with corporations wanting to be, quote unquote, woke. But it's really just it's, it's a show. It's, you know, it's a front. Um, the government puts on the front. Corporations put up a front. Um, some of our black people put up a front. Um, to go back to what you said, what are you actually doing? Do you have to be a protester out there on the front lines? No. But. Have you ever attended like um, any organizations like town hall meeting? Have you ever looked at anything virtually? How often do you read on these topics and and try to educate your family members or educate that cop in your family who um, you heard say something that say something abusive towards citizens? You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that it goes back to to lack of knowledge again because sometimes people don't know that there are other things that you can't be doing. Yeah, and that's and that's my thing. Like I'm in education. So my my lane is going to be to educate and break as many cycles of, of students that I come across as possible. Like so I'm I'm a firm believer in staying in your lane. And then I also feel like it's trendy to be woke, but you only want to be woke when it's for your convenience. Mm-hmm. Like I had a uh, a friend from from elementary school we just became friends on social media and like she you know pro-black and then but she, then she posted something that gave me hesitant because she's like you can't be pro-black and be pro lgq bt pro vaccine pro like if you pro any of these like you aren't really pro-black mm-hmm. I know what you mean. It's those um, those um, hotep type people, fake woke people on social media who spread uh, harmful information. Um, those are like the the really fake woke people that bother me. When people are fake woke, and I know that's not really them. Whatever you talking about, it that's enough for me. But it's the people who spread misinformation that can be harmful to the community because we got to be honest with ourselves that. People take what they see on social media and run with it. I could put anything as my status and it will spread like wildfire and people people will believe it without fact checking checking, excuse me. So um for me it's the fake woke people saying stuff like that. You can't be pro black and pro LGBTQ because you know, although everybody may not look at your post and change their minds, you could be an influence on just one person who looked at that and was like, you know what? You was right. So now they they homophobic. So now, you know, they feel like the vaccine is turning them into a werewolf. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and it kind of hurt my heart, too, because, like, I teach, you know, transgender students, students that's, you know, making a transition or finding an identity. And... I feel like it's my job to help protect them. Like they got so much other stuff that they got to be afraid of, got be aware of. Like, why aren't we doing more? To, and I guess that go back to the same thing with black women. Why aren't we doing more to protect them? Um, You know what? I think that this is a good, like a good way to start talking about intersectionality that I think that black people miss. Um, and I've actually have found myself over the past past few months uh, breaking this down to black men a lot and um, keep it. I think that we need to keep in mind that um, there are hierarchies in society. So um, a black man does have the uh, they're going to be beneath a black. I mean, a white man. However, you are still a man. Mm-hmm. And. What white people are to black people in terms of oppressors, that's what men are to women, whether you're a white man or a black man. And you know what I'm saying? Um, same thing with straight people to to um, to 
anything other queer transgender anything else anything non-straight um being cisgender versus transgender you know what i'm saying all of those things because you have that privilege so i think that is it is time for people just like we want white people to check their privilege check their white privilege it is time for black men to check the uh, privilege that they have as a man um it is time for cisgender women to check the black women to um check the privilege that they have over transgender black women um and you know, there are so many things that just tie into each other because when when you ask the question of, you know, what are we doing to protect these vulnerable groups in our community, you know, I can't help but to think about religion and how much religion plays a part into this, how much the very religion that was used to enslave us, enslave us plays a part in how we treat each other now, you know? So you, you just brought up, because you posted uh, the... It was from Twitter about Little Nas X and, mm-hmm. and his his message to Christianity. And until you posted that, you know, because people was asking me, and I was like, I really don't know how to feel. Mm-hmm. And then when you posted, I was like, it made complete sense that Christians we 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 beat people over the head that don't fit perfectly into our little categories. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think you can't separate Christianity and, and the police and controls in my book because Christianity was a method of, let's just be honest, when we came over here on slave ships, Christianity was used to help control the people. Mm-hmm. When Herman Cortez came over to the Central Americas, he did so in the name of, we got to give these savage people Christianity. Mm-hmm. Never mind the fact that it was actually the Africans, the dark-skinned people of the world that got Europe out the dark ages. Mm-hmm. So, a lot has to do, a, a lot of it, Christianity and power go hand in hand. Um, and I don't, know if people are are ready for that conversation i'm pretty sure listen listen i i know they not because when i be making my little post on facebook my family be like oh lord what is wrong with her she's what is wrong with her the devil done got her but people once you start bringing god into play oh people love their god you can't tell them nothing about their god um so until people are ready to ha- until black people specifically are ready to have the conversation, because even all of those things that I named um, black versus white man versus woman, Christianity versus non-Christians, you have a privilege over people who are not Christian. Even it's even beef within Christianity. Exactly. Ca- Catholic versus Baptist. Okay. It's, it's, witness you know versus. what I'm saying? It's, it's just always something. So at some point we have to start recognizing the privileges that we do have. Um, I, as a black woman, have privileges over indigenous people in this country. Um, you know, even though I am at the bottom... I do recognize that because we often leave out leave out indigenous people. Um, I, as a black woman who live in the suburbs with a nice paying job right now, um, I have socioeconomic privileges over certain groups, you know. So we need to recognize those privileges, embrace those privileges and then learn what can we do? How can we use our privilege to help those who don't have it? And once we all learn that, um, I think that conversations will start changing. Um, once black men realize like, you know what? I am a menace to black women. How can I use my privilege to make sure black women are up- uplifted in society? What can I do? Once black men really like accept that and, and take accountability, like, you know, yes, I am a black man and yes, I have it bad in this society, but that is a black woman and I still have a privilege over her. And I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I sometimes feel like that's why some white and black men become cops to extend that power that mm-hmm. they, they, they have over people. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And it's almost because, as like, like I said, somebody who dated a, a cop before and somebody who was in the military – it's always a certain type of people, a certain type of man, a certain type of person who joins and who is invested. Um, 
almost always, like, you can tell, like, you know what? I'm not surprised when when somebody tell you that they're a police officer. I'm not shocked. Mm-hmm. It's You might not always be able to put your finger on what exactly it is, but it's just, like, a certain type of person that go, that I feel like you have to be a certain type of person to even want to do the job. Yeah, and I, I remember years ago, um, I, I don't know how me and my mom got on the conversation, but it kind of was like, how were you able to stay married to dad as, as long as y'all been married? And she was like, you know, I was raised by a cop, so I knew what it would take and how, how to deal with being being married to a cop. And I think that I think that lends itself to why the, the police needs to be defunded because it's a lot of power that they have that nobody else in society walks around with. Mm-hmm. Like you can literally pull out your gun and shoot somebody and not and go, go to home. jail and go home, you know, or just, I mean, think about the fear that a lot of us get just seeing a police car. Like yeah, think about the fear. Think about like how your heart starts racing. It don't even have to be somebody in that car. You see the car and it is is triggering. And I even think about like when Ali, London, get old enough and drive my my kids, like having to have that conversation with them. Like we automatically start off being traumatized by the police. Mm-hmm. And I and I still do this, but I, I still feel like by the time, because I teach 11th grade, by the time I get them, it's a little too late. Like, I have my dad come in and talk to all my classes. So they have had at least one positive interaction with a police officer, but he's one person. And I remember years ago, like, I was out to dinner, and I gave the waiter, you know, my card to pay for the bill, and he looked at my name, and he goes, are you related to an investigator first? And I'm like, back, I'm, I'm like, this is either going to be really good or really bad, and he, you know, I said, well, invested, that's my dad, he goes, oh, well, I'm about to get whatever desserts you want, I'm going to pay for it, because, you know, my, your dad really helped my, my son out, and I'm like, but how many other cops, is is because I got former students that my dad helped out, but how many other cops are doing things like that, being a pillar in a community? Um... First of all, how can they be a pillar in that community when they don't even work in that community? Mm-hmm. So let's start there. Let's start where why are Detroit police officers not required to live in the city? Thank you, Dennis Archer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, let's let's start there. You're not invested in the community because you don't even live here. I'm going to be honest. The police chief, so he can say what he wants. He's not invested in the community. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. You can tell you you don't you don't care about these people. How can you be invested in a community that you or how can you police a community and work for a community that you're not invested in? You're not invested in, you know, a little about the history. Do you go to the community and just get to know the people and just chill, chill and that's I think that's where think about how stuff how things used to be back in the day when we when our communities did look out for one another because we didn't have a choice. Um, you know what I'm saying? And Think about like, think of, think about how like people will come from you know wherever they at and and just chill in the hood for a day and everybody get excited because this person is here and they out in the hood just talking to people that can you see them you, you know what I'm saying how many how many figures do we see do that now that's but not for a photo op like yeah, regularly it. in the community just shooting the shit with people. Exactly. Many. Exactly. If you if you see them in the community, it's for a photo op. It's it's this big spectacle. It's a big deal, and it's it's all they got a photographer there and social or, media. Or, or I'm gonna be honest, it's a tax write off. Yep. So, it, I just look. Everything needs to be torn down and built from the ground up because we sitting here talking about this stuff and think about how many other things that we've touched on that ties into defunding the police. So you you talking about tax write-offs and stuff like that. Like, okay, we can start talking about that and how all of that stuff needs to be done with when people were starving. I mean, I just, I think it was yesterday, I want to say it's the free press, they talked about how they about to kick the homeless out of Hart Plaza. 
Dog. All of those buildings downtown that nobody lives in because nobody can afford to live in those buildings. You keep building these high rises to make Detroit look pretty and make it look like New York or wherever. It is a slap in the face when people are still homeless. Yeah. And, uh, How is it a crime to be homeless? How is it a crime for me to be poor? It's it's a crime if you can't afford to pay a parking ticket. People don't understand that. Like I don't. That's what I try to get people to understand when I tell them why how much I dislike policing because these this stuff all has a root, has a history. And remember vagrancy laws. And once you know they freed the slaves and they came up with laws that if you don't have a job, that's against the law. Like, you know what I'm saying? So when people say stuff like the police just enforcing laws, that don't make it right. It was literally against the law for you to not have a job. Yeah, Marlon, and what Martin Luther King says, because I know people like to quote him all the time, like an unjust law should be changed. Exactly. Like, if I, if I ain't got no job and I can't pay my parking ticket, like the whole Dante Wright situation, why mm-hmm. was he originally pulled over? Because his tab had expired on his license plate. Like, it's a pandemic. Like, you can't get an appointment at the DMV, Secretary of State, whatever you want to call it, for like three months. But then, not only that, because then that ties into, like, you literally, we are heavily policed. Like, everything is a crime. Um, And... The thing is, is that we give police so much power that it's all up to their discretion and interpretation. I have to tell people that all the time um, because I work in I work um, in auto claims. So we deal a lot with police reports and people will say like, well, um, why didn't the cop give me a ticket then? I tell them. Police officers don't have to do anything but what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So y'all think that they got this set book that they have to follow? And they no. don't because. I got in a, I got in an accident and it was my fault, and I it, it was I want to say it was Livonia police that came, and he was about to give me a ticket, two tickets actually, and my dad pulled up and he saw my dad was a cop and he put it he put his book away. So that goes back to my point of like we give them too much power and that they literally can pick and choose who they do these things to. Um. They can literally pick and choose who they enforce the laws with and which laws to enforce. It is so many things that is against the law, and it's against the law because they it targets certain groups. And then Jaywalking. They, yeah, and then they write up the police report. So depending on how they write up the police report, mm-hmm. it's depending on what you're going to get charged with, too. Because I look at police reports where um, I almost know when a cop is involved in the police report because— it, uh, it randomly disappears. The police report randomly disappear, or there's no information for the other driver. But the lady tells me that it was a million cops at the scene. Yeah, which is true, because I hit a deer before, and Farmington Hill police sent three three police cars. And I'm like, was it a slow night? Like, I just hit a deer. Yep. So, you know, it's just all of this, all of these things go hand in hand. Um, and not in a good way. Like the the amount of power that we give to police and how, how much um, we hold them on a pedestal and the fact that police even exist in this country in the first place. Um, and we can give, um, we have more time. We can go down a rabbit hole of why police were created because they were created to enforce the fuse of the slave laws. So. And that is my exact point. That's why I say, how can we reform a system and have police reform and criminal justice reform when a literal foundation of policing is arresting black people and keeping people enslaved? And I also like want people to keep in mind, um, I had a constitutional law class and having to read the Constitution once or twice a week made me, you know, really had a big hand in me <laughs> dropping out of law school. But... Examine those 13th and 14th uh, uh, amendments. At any point, at any point, if Congress is right enough, at any point, those laws can be overturned. People don't know that, though. They don't know that that's in the fine print. That in any, like, 
in this in the document, the law of the land, the document like for our country, the very document, it says that we are three fifths of a person. And in order for us to be considered a human, that it had to be amendment and it had to be an add on for it for us to get our rights. How can we reform anything built on that foundation? How can you reform anything when the average person in Congress is like 70 and a white male? Exactly. And even still, you know, that's that's a whole nother topic because we can look at the city of Detroit and age discrimination against younger um, younger leaders who want to be active in the community. And we still see the same older people getting elected. Um, that's even true on the local level. So, yeah, money. I know. Money, money pay, make the world go round. Payoffs. Yeah, we could we could we could definitely talk about even how James Craig got here and Hollywood Craig mm-hmm. as, as as he's called. All that, all that. We can talk about it all. But we we gonna wrap up right there. We we in our hour range. Um, so check us out. Come back. Uh, we just ain't family podcast. Um, episode three probably be a Mother's Day special, and we'll definitely continue this conversation about defunding the police, and 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 we often talk about white privilege, but we don't always talk about all the other privileges that that are happening in the world. So that's definitely a conversation that we we gotta have Kira back to have. African Latin wiretappers. Here come the people, run my people, they don't treat us equal. I'm talking the law for me, freedom is illegal. Take telephone conversations, what kind of nation got 300 million people they investigating? I know they trying to watch me, a Russian oligarchy. Politically, it's principle, they try to stop me. Powerful people will silence you, they try to mute you. Unethical ways put you in prison, try to roof you. Our youth is dead to us, they call the super predators. Stupid words from the president's mouth. Where are